Good morning. My name is Melissa Shazer, and I'm one of the pastors here at CPC. And it is a joy to be with you on Mother's Day today. As we said, we want to be celebrating the moms in the room and grandmothers and aunts and best friends and the whole host of women in our lives who influence us and help us grow. Uh, In that way, we have one woman in our congregation who was a member for 61 years. She was a part of the first new member class we ever held here. She passed away this last weekend. Her name was Lois Loomis. A strong spiritual mother to many of us in this congregation. We wanted to announce that her service will be this Friday at 2 o'clock here in the sanctuary. We have a variety of women in this room who have led and mothered people, whether they were their actual kids or adopted kids or just people that they really, really loved. We also have people in this room who, the reason we have this rose here is because they have lost mothers recently, or have lost children recently, or desperately want to be mothers but aren't. And so if that's you right now, if it was hard for you to come here today, we just want you to know that we love you, and we're with you, and we see you. As we're going into this Mother's Day uh, service, we are kind of in between sermon series. We just got out of a series on the prodigal son where we talked about how we run home to our father. And we're about to go into a series on Acts and Paul's ministry. So I wanted to set us up for that series on Acts, um, but they also told me that I could, I could preach on what I wanted. So, <laughs> so we are going to be looking at a story in Acts. But we are, we are also going to be looking at a specific woman, and her name was Lydia. This is a little bit self-serving because I myself have my own little Lydia. <laughs> she is almost four months old now, and she made me a mom, and so it is uh, sweet to be able to be preaching on this particular text this morning. Before we dive into it, will you please pray with me? God, we know that it is your Holy Spirit that inspires us that opens up not only our minds, but our hearts to hear you and to see you. So we pray that you would be at work this morning, that we would draw closer to you and see the ways that we can be uh, pursuing our faith and the ways that you are drawing ever closer to us. It's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. All right, so we are in Acts 16, verses 12 through 15, if you want to open your Bibles or look at the screens. The text says, from there we traveled to Philippi, a city of Macedonia's first district and a Roman colony. We stayed in that city several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the riverbank, where we thought there might be a place for prayer. We sat down and began to talk with the women who had gathered there. One of those women was Lydia, a Gentile god worshiper from the city of Theatira, a dealer in purple cloth, As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. And once she and her whole household were baptized, she urged, Now that you have decided that I am a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. So here's what we have going on. Paul is traveling from city to city to city, which is what he does in Acts. 
And when he arrives there, he says that his message is first for the Jew and also for the Greek. That means he is going to look for Jewish believers and a Jewish community. On the Sabbath, he goes down to a river where he expects to find a group of people who are worshiping, and he does. He finds this group of women, and he sits down with them, and he shares the gospel message. One of those women was Lydia. She heard the message, the Holy Spirit worked in her heart, And upon that, she and her entire household were baptized, and she opened up her home then to welcome Paul and the people he was traveling with. Now, there is so much that we could do with this text. There are so many different things that we could really get into, but if we're going to walk away with any three things from today, what I would love for you to, to walk away with is that Lydia worked, she worshiped, and she welcomed Lydia worked really hard in a business and in her home. She worshiped faithfully with her life, not just with her words. And she welcomed not only Paul and his fellow travelers, but she welcomed an entire church into her home. So these three things are are the key points that I would love for us to take away. So let's go ahead and dive in. Lydia worked really hard. She may have even worn herself out. That's my little Lydia (laughs) after a long afternoon. Um, Lydia worked really hard. She had a business. We read that she was a dealer in purple cloth. Purple cloth in the ancient world was a really fine product. It uh, was very expensive, and so it was kind of affiliated with royalty. It was really expensive because the process to make it uh, took a lot of energy and a lot of work. The, the way that they actually made purple cloth in the ancient world uh, was uh, these, these little guys called Tyrian snails. Those, <laughs> those are Tyrian snails. And essentially the process was that they would cut off the top of the snail. I did a lot of research on this, probably too many YouTube videos. They would lop off the top of the snail And there was a gland that would release a yellow goo sort of thing. And scientific. And when that goo hit the air, it turned purple. They would take that purple dye, apply it to a cloth. And after about 10,000 of these snails were applied to that cloth, they would have one robe to sell. 10,000 snails for one robe. So this is a lot of work. And that's why it was so expensive to make these robes. To the point that really, uh, I have often heard the phrase like Queen Lydia or Princess Lydia. Lydia is affiliated not just with wealth, but with royalty because these robes were so expensive. Uh, We channeled that for her newborn photos. (laughs) That is my Lydia on a purple sort of fur thing with a, a crown on her head because we were channeling the Queen Lydia idea. That this is uh, a material made for people who are wealthy and even royal. The thing, though, is that Lydia herself was not royalty. Lydia was running a business. She was working really, really hard to earn money and to support her household. And and that whole snail business had to be a little bit gross at times. She she was working down in a port. uh, and, And so she was getting her hands dirty. She wasn't just royalty. In addition to running a whole business, Lydia had a household. We never hear about her husband. We don't really know where he is, and we can speculate all day long, but but ultimately she was leading her household. That's what we know. Lydia is leading this household and supporting them, and she had to make some hard decisions while she was doing that. One of those decisions that she made was that they moved from a place called Theatira, 
up to Philippi. We have a map here. So Theatira is the center circle. They went up to Philippi. And one of, one of the commentators that I read actually suggested that the home in Philippi was like a vacation home, like they were snowbirding in Philippi. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't. That took a lot of work to get her whole household from Theatira up to Philippi. They left a lot of stuff behind. My husband and I actually just moved up here from Nashville in 2016. And so when I think about what Lydia and her household went through, there were, there were some sacrifices. She left some stuff behind. She probably left some neighbors and some family members, some friends and a home, uh, country music. Kidding, that's Nashville. Um, <laughs> she left a lot of stuff behind when they moved to Philippi. The reason they did it is that the trade route was in Philippi. She was going to be able to make a lot more money and do a lot more business in Philippi than she ever would have been able to in Theatira. Lydia was making these hard decisions, and at the end of the day, after working to run this business, she would come home and had kids to take care of, relatives to take care of, servants to take care of. And I think that many of us in here probably know that the household side of things can actually be even messier than, than a couple thousand snails. Household life can get kind of messy. We have to improvise often and, and figure things out as we go. As I was thinking about the last four months with our sweet Lydia, we've had some moments where we thought we had it together, but but we didn't. Uh, a, a week or so after Lydia came home, I was giving her, her one of her first baths. And I remember this distinctly. I had her in her little tub. So I give her her bath, and then I ask my husband to come and grab a towel for me to set her into the towel. So I set her in the towel, and then I turn back to grab the diaper and the outfit that she isn't wearing. And I heard it before I saw it. (laughs) But as I turn, my husband is standing there going, ah, (laughs) down his arm, up his arm. Uh, Yeah, um, it was a mess. It was a total mess. And I stood there, and as a, a good wife, a sympathetic wife, I laughed so hard at him. (laughs) I laughed so hard. Um, Because life is messy. This type of stuff happens all the time where we just wonder, what are we going to do from here? How do we clean this up? How do we sort this out? And then we think we have everything back together again, and we know what we're doing. And then it gets messed up. Lydia herself had to balance all of this. She had to balance the difficulties at work staff that weren't getting along. She had to, had to work really hard to make sure that her business was growing enough to support her family. Then she had to go home. She had to make sure her children were getting along with each other and eating well enough and that her servants had everything they needed. She had a lot on her plate. One of my favorite writers talks about how she's often asked the question, um, how do you do it all? How do you do it all? She says, that's not a helpful question. <laughs> Because all of us have a long, long list of things that we could do in a day. Uh, We have a, a million things that we could get done, that we would love to get done. But we're not able to do it all. No one can. We do what's most important. We prioritize things. Paul says in 1 Corinthians to, to let everything you do be done in love. Ultimately, our priorities are guided by what we love the most. 
And if we prioritize our faith, God is the one who then gives us direction about where our time and where our energy needs to be spent. And on that note, we realize that Lydia worshiped. Praise hands. <laughs> Lydia worshiped. She was a Gentile God worshiper. And I want to unpack this a little bit. A Gentile God worshiper. So this was in the ancient world. She was with the Jewish community worshiping the God of Israel, but she was a Gentile. I think that uh, often when we read scripture, we can kind of import our own world, our own uh, society onto the text, and that can make things a little bit complicated. So uh, in the ancient world, things looked a little bit differently religiously. Uh, Right now, when I think about sharing my faith with a friend or with a family member, with someone that I love, typically I think of people who just don't necessarily have faith. They just, they don't believe in God. And whether, whether they call themselves an atheist or agnostic or, or put a label on it or whether they don't, whether they just don't really have a faith in a God, I think about sharing my faith in Christ with them and offering them something new and additional. Back in the ancient world, no one didn't believe in God. That, wasn't, that came around around the Enlightenment era. But back in the ancient world, everyone believed in at least one, if not many, gods. They were just choosing which one. Lydia chose to worship the God of Israel, the one true God. She chose to worship him, but she could have been worshiping Roman gods or Greek gods or anyone else. And so back in, in this time, it actually wasn't super uncommon to have non-Jewish people worshiping the God of Israel. We read in Acts 8 about the Ethiopian eunuch. He's Ethiopian. He's not Jewish. He's Ethiopian, but he's worshiping God. So Lydia is choosing to worship God, and the reason she shows up on the Sabbath is that she's honoring the Ten Commandments. She's honoring the Sabbath, practicing her faith. So in the midst of running a business and running a household, she is choosing to spend her time and energy devoting herself to God. This is the reason why Paul meets her by the river. This river, the Ganges River, actually still exists. I know... Some people in here have even traveled over there. That is the river. They've put uh, an Orthodox church uh, on the river to kind of mark the spot where Lydia um, perhaps was baptized, but along that river. And, and people still go there to get baptized. The reason it's, it's such a marker for baptism is that shortly after Lydia begins following Christ, she has her whole household baptized. And I think it's especially sweet that we had so many baptisms this morning because our baptizing babies is really a a reiteration of what Lydia was doing here. It's us us taking our, our little ones and saying that we hope that we can bring our children up to know and love Jesus and we entrust them to the Holy Spirit that he will do that. It's a gift that we have household baptisms, three of them throughout Acts. And so Lydia has her entire household baptized, and what she's doing there is showing them that it does not matter just what she's saying to them, but what she is doing to show her faith. Uh, there's a sociologist at Princeton named Robert Wuthnow. He, he did a study back in 2000 and wrote a book called Growing Up Religious. But he studied 200 families, and some of the families spoke about their faith. They told their kids that it was important to pray, it was important to read scripture, it was important to go to church. And then the other half of the families, the parents, prayed, read scripture, and went to church. 
They just lived their faith. They didn't even necessarily talk about it that much. They just lived it. And when they then looked at the kids, those who came after them, the kids who ended up developing a faith of their own were far more likely to have come from the families where the parents were just living out their faith. If a child saw their parents reading scripture on their own or praying together as a family or going to church, when that was physically a priority, that mattered so much more than the parents saying it was important. Shortly after I started here, John Crosby used the quote in a sermon that uh, your kids aren't listening to you because they're too busy watching you. They're not listening to you because they're too busy watching you. What we do matters. We demonstrate our priorities to everyone around us, whether it's your roommate or your coworker. We show our faith. Uh, I lead a, a Bible study out at Friendship Village uh, with a, a group of our seniors, and I was asking them last month about what they think of when they think of their mom. I've just been reflecting on this a lot lately. What do we think of when we think of our mothers? What comes to mind? And one of the women in that group said that she remembers walking into her mom's room in the mornings and seeing her mom on her knees in prayer. When she thinks of her mom, that's the image that comes to mind. She thinks, she said, who, who gets on their knees to pray anymore? Who does that? That's a demonstration of your faith, and that stuck with her after all of these years. We demonstrate our faith, and my hope is that today we can reflect on what it is we do that shows our faith to those around us. The third thing that Lydia did is she welcomed. Ah, that is a peaceful baby. <laughs> Lydia welcomed. The reason I chose this photo is that I think when we truly welcome one another, we offer each other peace, a deep sense of peace. So Lydia, uh, at the end of the story, she welcomes Paul and those who are traveling with him to stay in her house. And the text actually says, and she persuaded us. Uh, a woman I was talking with last night said, that shows her business acumen. She persuaded us. <laughs> she was compelling. She got them to stay in her home. And we don't know how long they stayed there, but what we know is that it went pretty well. Because at the end of the chapter... Paul is about to leave Philippi. He's been in jail. A bunch of stuff has happened to him. But he's about to leave Philippi. And instead of just immediately leaving, he goes to stay at Lydia's house again. He knows that her door is open to him. He knows that she has welcomed him into her life. Uh, I think that uh, when we consider hospitality and welcoming, uh, unfortunately, the thing that often ends up coming into my mind is um, like a sort of real simple magazine, like having a perfect table and having a perfect garden uh, and, and having a, a lovely display. Um, but I, I think that that is a gift that many people have. What's more important though is welcoming each other into our lives. There's that quote that people rarely remember what you say to them. But they remember how you make them feel. That is what true welcome is. That's what true hospitality is. So I subscribe to Real Simple Magazine. I get it every month. But um, it almost leads me to confession. Because my table will never be that beautiful. I will never have lemons floating in pitchers. That's not going to be what, what my home looks like. And that's okay. That is all right. My hope is that my spirit is hospitable. My spirit welcomes 
others, oh buddy. Um, <laughs> that is my prayer, is that we can welcome one another with that type of welcome and warmth. When I was thinking about people I know who welcome people like this, my parents actually came to mind. They are, they are the real simple type of people. They have a beautiful home and their setup is great for hosting, uh, hosting parties and uh, families and, and they just do a wonderful job of that. But first and foremost, they have a warmth and a welcome to them. And the way that we know this is that my now sister-in-law the first night that she met my parents, so she's meeting the boyfriend's parents. This should be kind of nerve-wracking. She should be sweating a little bit, a little nervous. Uh, they all go out to dinner together, and then my parents invite them back to their home. They sit down and put a TV show on, and she fell asleep on their couch. <laughs> she fell asleep on their couch the first night she met them. That is a level of comfort that I don't think many of us have. <laughs> she is, she's snoozing on their couch, and my parents fell in love with her <laughs> because she was so comfortable around them. This is the type of welcome that we're meant to be extending to one another, that we feel comfortable and relaxed and fulfilled. Jesus says in, in Matthew 10 that anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. When we welcome one another into each other's lives, we're calling on the Spirit of God to be drawn out of each other. That we are united in Christ, as Paul says in Philippians. That we are united in Christ as one. This pulls Jesus out of us that we may see who we truly are. We can see the Spirit of God living in one another. And then Lydia not only invited Paul and his fellow travelers uh, into her home, she actually started up a house church. Lydia opened up her home to the believing community around her. She, um, back in the ancient world, as the gospel was spreading and as the church was growing, I think when we think of churches, we think of these big, beautiful sanctuaries. Uh, but back then, it looked more like a living room. And there may be 12 people there that Paul's writing these letters to. And then slowly it grew and it grew and it grew. And it was out of people welcoming into their homes that we are even able to sit here today and to know who Jesus is. Lydia was one of those people who early, early on helped to spread the gospel through her welcome and through her life and through her household. Now, we've just given a very long resume, very long list of things that she did, and it can be kind of intimidating to think, like, running a business and running a household and worshiping faithfully and running a church and doing all of these things. How could any one of us do all of that? That's not where I want us to stay today. I would love for us to think about the small ways that we can engage these lessons from Lydia, that we can infuse our work with a little bit of love. That's one of the questions I would love to leave you with today. How, what is one way that you can infuse your work with greater love? Whether it is uh, starting a Bible study in your office before the workday starts or whether it is having a time of prayer or taking prayer requests from coworkers, whether it is in your home, having a time of devotion at dinner, 
What is one way that you can infuse your work with greater love? Uh, Paul actually talks a lot about grumbling in Philippians, and this has just been making me smile. Grumbling. I can hear us and see us grumbling sometimes. He says that we're supposed to try to cut that out of our lives and instead replace the grumbling with joy. How can you do that? What is one way that you can model a life of worship for those around you? What is one way that you can show people your faith? Not just talk about it, not just use words, but show what it means to believe. And lastly, who can you welcome into your life? Who's someone who you know needs a welcome? Whether it's a neighbor who you haven't met yet, or a friend who's been looking for a church body, who is it that you can welcome into your life, offering that warmth and that care? My prayer is that we can focus on these particular ways that we can draw closer to Jesus in the coming week. Will you please pray with me? God, you are filled with beauty. When you came to this earth, you did so much to show us how we work and how we worship you and how we welcome others into your presence, not just into our own. And so we call upon you to guide us. God, to draw us closer to you that we may live lives of faithful discipleship and be transformed on the way. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.